0: Changemakers, makers, peace builders, human rights defenders, and youth activists. To all of you who are listening, so nice to have you. This is the Change Rebels podcast, the podcast that brings you stories from the change makers at the front line of youth peace and security. If you haven't yet signed up for that newsletter, please do so at changerebels.org. And now for our second episode here today, uh, we are welcoming a person who has spoken out against nationalistic tendencies in her own party and called for political support to the democratic fight in Belarus, the president of the Liberal Youth Party in Sweden, Romina Pormofari. This is Emily Besky. должна быть предложена работа. Основу всех этих, так называемых, протестующих – люди с криминальным прошлым и сегодня без работ. Поэтому, люди, берегите себя, пожалуйста, ни одна жизнь This is the podcast of everything in change and change making in youth peace and security. And we're talking to all the youth activists, the youth political leaders, all things relevant to youth peace and security in current events. And right now, there's a lot of things happening in Belarus. And I know that several people, both of the youth party and uh, your mother party, or whatever we want to call it in English, um, the, the adult liberals. They, are, they have been sharing information online. I definitely see like a lot of different opinion pieces coming out. And you've been very early with, like in the beginning of this summer, coming out with articles, trying to like push for Sweden to get more involved, to highlight that a lot of activists, a lot of opposition people are being arrested. And I'm a little bit wondering, from your perspective, why is what is happening in Belarus important? And in what context are you, as a Liberal Youth elected person, in what context are you interpreting what's happening?
1: Okay, so first and foremost, I'd say that a big part of my organisation, Liberal Youth of Sweden, is global solidarity. And has always been. So democracy is a big deal for us because, well, it's the foundation on which liberalism can stand. So it's, it's very difficult when you don't have freedom in a country and democracy is the first step towards going that way. So it's always been very important for us to be big spokespersons of, of democracy all around the world and also human rights. Well, this is kind of like basic for almost every youth league, uh, with a few exceptions in, in Sweden, of course. But we try to uh, walk the walk and not only talk the talk. So uh, there's a like, long historical tradition of uh, my youth league, the liberal youth league, uh, visiting countries who are in need of, of help when it comes to like structuring democracy, but also helping and and backing up in the different ways that we can the different democratical um, uh, forces in different countries and the uh, liberation forces or whatever you'd like to call them
0: so this is that like something called. that you've been doing in in belarus as well
1: yes exactly more if than
0: just writing things mm-hmm. are you like directly getting involved and having corporations with people on the ground
1: yes and it's it's like a long tradition in in our youth league to to have that i just got received an email from uh, the belarusian young liberals for like yeah a few moments ago giving us an update on what's going on and stuff so yeah it's it's very intense contact and we're, we they should always know that we have that back and i think it's like one of the biggest duties we have as a youth league that is operating in a democracy and operating in a country that has human rights and freedom of expression and, and all of that to also the least amount of work we can do for the people that don't have that is to show the biggest amount of support that we can and do what we can for our leaders to be trying to uh, helping the development of democracy uh, in other places.
0: Do you have an example that you can like develop a little bit? I know like a lot of things are also like high security. I know we can there might be things that we can't talk about, but like what does support during a time like this with the developments in Belarus this past week? what does that support look like?
1: It can look in different ways. I know that a lot of them are asking for like more attention overall like us to share pictures and social media and try to like raise our voices in the ways that we can for other people around the world to see what's happening in Belarus and to see that there is a strong uh, force of people who don't want the current state in in Belarus but also there are more concrete ways we try to uh, affect the situation for example I gathered uh, uh, signing uh, of names from all of the other youth leagues uh, who, uh, at least I see as, you know, respectful of democracy and human rights. And all of the other youth leagues presidents signed a document that we wrote together with other parts of Swedish civil society. And we handed this over to uh, Ann Linde, the foreign minister of Sweden, who uh, actually had this document with her when she had meetings with the other EU foreign ministers uh, when they were discussing Belarus. And in this document that we handed over to her, we expressed our strong will of the ministers to, to be quite harsh on the fact that the state in, in Belarus isn't... Isn't, doesn't have the the support of its people and the fact that it's actually a violation of human rights to to steal someone's vote uh from them and uh, this is something
0: yeah. because i think it's it's interesting i've also been talking with the youth council rada in belarus and they are like very appreciative to what ann done but you as the youth liberal party has also come out and said and also the Liberal Party in general, like what Sweden or the EU should have done, we should have done earlier. Mm-hmm. These sanctions should be harsher. Mm-hmm. But what's happening now that Sweden's decided to like pull back for an aid to, to some extent and so on. Are you satisfied?
1: It's a difficult question. Like w- you can always look back on it and be like, we should have done this earlier and we should have done this and that. But I do think that the sanctions should be proper and it, Kind of sounds like it might affect the wrong parts of, you know, purpose with with this issue. But for example, Swedish taxpayers have money that goes towards Belarusian propaganda fact like there are school books that that talk about how uh, belarus are like amongst the best in the world at human rights and these are books that are funded by by us and uh, that's no way of contributing towards a, a better society there you have to be strict on the fact that you have to live up to basic human rights and stop using violence towards your your people if you want to be a part of the european community and receive money from other european countries and such and i think we've been a little naive when it comes to that and uh, you know it always sounds very nice when you hear like oh giving money to school books for children that can't be a problem well it actually can because they're using those school books to indoctrinate the kids that they are living in a perfectly normal society uh, when they actually have a president who's been uh, or dictator i would say who's been Sitting on his post for 26 years, so there is there is a problematic view of how how to like you have to be very strict on how you hand out money. And Uh, um,
0: I hear what you say, and and Peter Eriksson, which is in charge of foreign aid in Sweden, decided to like pull back 25 million Swedish crowns from Belarus now just two days ago. But obviously, this will not stop these books that already been produced a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely like this balance between long term incentives and development aid. And then you have this escalating situation now after the election. What's your thought about direct action that needs to be done now? Or is it that you believe that we shouldn't be involved in these escalating events now?
1: We we should have been involved earlier, but what I would say is the most important thing now when it comes to sanctions, especially from the EU, but also of course from Sweden, but mostly when it comes from the EU because that's where it, that's where it hits the hardest, so to say, is that the sanctions or or like the 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 pullback of the sanctions have to be like strictly connected to structural changes in in the electoral procedures in Belarus and specifically like. You have to you have to connect these uh, these pullbacks of the these sanctions, so to say, to new free and fair, compliant with globally recognized international standard elections. Like you have to have a clear, you know, uh, line between pulling pulling back and having sanctions pulling them back when it comes to when it comes to structural proper changes in the electoral procedures because that is a big part of of what the well basically it's all of what it's about the belarusian authorities have to of course like stop persecution of political opponents and you know release all of those who are unfairly detained immediately and respect to human rights and all of these things and and really have a like honest political dialogue with the opposition uh, and start to de-escalate the violence, which we have since seen some signs of, but also it's still like a very unstable situation. So th- there's a lot of things, but just to have like a proper connection between sanctions and proper electoral system. So if you can just connect these uh, sanctions so that it's clear what the EU or Sweden would like to see uh, to release these sanctions, then it would be, a better way of, of like attacking the situation.
0: Most of the Swedish foreign aid to Belarus mm-hmm. uh, goes to civil society organisations. Mm-hmm. But uh, you don't believe that that should also be affected by Swedish or EU sanctions.
1: There has to be a better control on whether it actually goes towards the specific civil society that we'd like to support or not. Because there has been a lot of well, facts showing misuse uh, even in that, those parts. But of course, Sweden <laughs> should put money towards supporting the the good forces of Belarus and the civil society who are actually using the money towards building up a, a, a democratic society. Uh, yes, of course, they should receive money, but we have to be more thorough with uh, looking through whether these money end up in the right places or not, because I have seen... A lot of facts from, uh, for example, from the Swedish liberal uh, Swedish International Liberal Center (Silk) regarding money ending up in the wrong places, and like one crown should not end up in the wrong place. But of course, it's it's supposed to be sanctions towards the the proper parts of it. So the individuals who are involved in in yeah falsification of the presidential elections and also the law enforcement agencies who've perpetrated violence against, against the civilians. Those, those are the most important parts, of course.
0: And I hear your message about clear sanctions and also somewhat harsher sanctions. One, I believe, has not been so much highlighted in the conversation about sanctions, and that's what was happening in Ukraine just a few years back and with the security situation between EU and Russia. Like, there's also a Russian context to take into considerations when you're talking about sanctions?
1: Absolutely. Um, it's a great question. I think it's... Like overall, I think the fact that this is happening right now is a very, very interesting th- part of it all also. Because I would say that there's a lot of geopolitical tension right now, uh, like obviously. First and foremost, we have like a crazy man who's the leader of the free world, <laughs> or whatever you'd like to call it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say <laughs> that right now. I would say that Angela Merkel is probably the leader of the free world right now. But hopefully <laughs> in the future we can have someone more, um, yeah, more responsibly responsible on, on that post in America. But you have like America doing whatever they're doing, and then you have China and Russia and Iran, and you have Europe and all of this. And I think that it's it's really important, like to not have a third wave of dictatorship in the world, or whatever you'd like to call it, Um, it's very important for EU to use all of its power gathered and united towards countries who are violating human rights. Like, it's very, very basic, at least for me as a European, but it has to be really, really clear that you can't take advantage of all of the money and growth that comes with democracy and human rights that we have in Europe if you're not respecting our ways of doing things and I think that Belarus is of course uh, especially interesting as it is a part of you know it's the closest neighbor to the EU and they're right now needing us when they are deprived on on the fair counting of their votes so it's really important to like it's really like it has like a big symbolical value, if you understand what I mean, as uh, because Russia is also like a power who who uh, you know Putin and Lukashenko aren't exactly uh, yeah they don't hate each other they they probably uh, agree <laughs> on quite a lot of things so it's, it's and very we know
0: important. that that uh, yeah. Russia even though they've been very quiet during this past mm-hmm. two weeks and what's been happening in Belarus. Uh, we know that they are close supporters and, and allies to Lukashenko. Mm-hmm. And at least when you listen into political opinions, both in Sweden and Europe, a lot of them were saying that we, we would have had a very much different response from Russia, for example, if the election would have been fair and Shannoskaya would have actually won the election. And, and do you have any such worries as a liberal youth parties? Like, should we, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, should we hold back on our push for change mm-hmm. in the fear of something worse coming? Why is this moment different mm-hmm. from, I mean, Lukashenko been in power for 20 years now.
1: It's, it's a really like legitimate worry to be thinking of all of the possible consequences of a situation like that. Like, that's something that everybody should have learned. Like, lessons have to be learned from history and how uh, a country's democratical development uh, plays out is a very important part of the stability and the uh, the stability of the democracy that would hopefully come and also the situation for the people who are living there. So I think that, of course, like, I think that the time is now. And the, the reason that I think it is now is because the people are the ones who are leading this, this situation. Like, it's not, we have to, we play a role, of course, in like backing them up and doing what we can from our side of, our side of Europe or whatever you'd like to call it. But it's basically, it's up to the people. And I think that the big, like gathering of of all kinds of people who are getting engaged in this issue is a big sign of the people of the country itself leading the change and that is an important part of the democracy being able to become stable also and of course there is a worry worry, um, and should be a worry towards how would how would Russia handle this and stuff like that but I do think that there is a big difference like for example when you're comparing to Ukraine like the amount of of russian people who are all like with russian ethnicity living in the different uh countries and stuff like that but i do think that the time is now for a change to come in belarus and the reason i think the time is now and not like it's not something that should maybe stably develop towards a longer on in a longer period of time is because the people are leading the change and it's a big amount of people like you can clearly see how many people gathered during Lukashenko's different uh public uh, speeches and how many people gathered within the opposition or whatever you'd like to call it and it is quite it is quite satisfying as a liberal and a democrat to see how it doesn't play out well to be so violent towards your people well example for example the um, husband of Svetlana Sergei is is held hostage by the Belarusian state and the utter like lack of respect towards opposition is is not okay and the utter lack of respect towards the people who are trying to just voice their opinions being treated with with uh, an enormous amount of violence it's it's really satisfying to see that it doesn't work to just push on with more violence and it is I was really really happy to see that the Uh, the police and the the Belarusian authorities kind of did step down the amount of violence they used. And that is really, really nice to see for anyone who's a supporter of human rights, that you can't just beat people down because, you know, at some point they will have enough. And the thing that I'm seeing right now is that a lot of people have had enough. And I think that Sweden should do more than we've ever done in regards of supporting those powers in, in Belarus.
0: I just want to add that there's, there's a lot of information coming out from, from RADA, but also from other sources talking about torture of, of the arrested. And there's, all, there's still about 100 people in arrest that we don't know exactly where they are or what happened to them. So, so I think there's still, even though we can see on the streets that Lukashenko is like pulling back that outburst of, violence and direct targeting of protesters that were the first initial days, uh, we are still seeing that the people that are locked behind closed doors are being very maltreated. I would like to just uh, move to your personal engagement and and your own party context. I, I find it very interesting. There was an election for a party leader just last year in the Liberal Party and I know that the Liberal Youth League came out and said well uh, we support uh, the candidates but you actually wanted to have the other candidate and one of the big fears that you also highlighted during that election no matter whether that was a concern of the leader or or just internal structures was this tendency to also nationalism in Sweden and within your own political party and, and I think this is also like very brave as a youth party organization trying to work with these tendencies openly, uh, especially as we know that political parties have a lot more media attention maybe compared to, to other organizations. Uh, what are your reflections about your internal democracy in the Liberal Party and what developments would you like to see in your own party and in Sweden on the democratic level?
1: I believe that there is a big and like deep understanding on how to defend the democratical like foundation in Sweden and our our basic laws and and you know all of the um, all of the most important parts of our democracy. I, I'm not worried on whether my party like all sides, every almost every single person coming down to the individual understanding the the. Uh, the importance of defending our democracy—that uh, is not a worry for me. But, but there is um, there is a conflict in as there is in every party, and in my party, it being a liberal party, the conflict is often bef- between well, uh, freedom and security in some in some way. So it's a lot about how to defend the freedom that we have and also create it where it doesn't exist and whilst the Youth League is more in on creating freedom where it doesn't exist and well of course defending like basic freedom for for example, the thing we talked about in the beginning, like democracy in other parts of the world and global solidarity. Uh I think that the there are parts of my my party who um there are a lot of people in my party who are very worried about what different forces in our country could Uh, well take away the freedom that exists and in um, in the enthusiasm of of preserving the freedom they tend to turn towards uh, forbidding different things that are that are bad and this is not the way to go about it and that is a big like discussion that is in in my party whether Whether you can, well, forbid freedom or not forbid freedom, but forbid different things that don't allow freedom or forbid different things to have freedom. That's the discussion that's going on. Of course, I have like strong opinions about this, so I'm gonna paint their, you know, perspective as very silly and really unliberal, but (laughs) there are ways to, like, I understand that you view that as liberalism also because in some ways it is like for example when it comes to kids it's the it's the you know never-ending liberal issue is kids because you know our political like ideology bases on the fact that give a human enough knowledge and uh, like skills to be able to uh, take care of themselves and then give them all of the freedom that they can have and then you have kids who don't have the capacity to take care of themselves and understand the choices they're making and don't have any power over the choices that are being made about them and their lives and um, yeah so it's a lot of like there's a lot of liberal (laughs) discussions that we can have regarding Mm. kids like for example should they be able to go in schools where there is a religion uh, that is that is like um presented a specific religion that is presented and and practiced uh, throughout the school day. is that liberal or not well it's a difficult question you can 't just find a easy answer to it uh It depends on whose freedom you're talking about and where the limitations of freedom would would be drawn and yeah there's a lot of discussions to have so that I would say that's the big the big discussions in our party. Yeah. Where, how do we like create freedom where it doesn't exist, but also preserve it where it already where it already exists.
0: I'm a little bit curious as well, like on a personal level, as a youth activist, but also as a leader of a political party, youth league. What what is your vision for democracy? If you get to dream big, what what does it actually mean to you as a youth activist and a political leader?
1: I would hope that there is well, it's easy to say, "Oh, I would hope for peace in the world, and every country <laughs> to be democracy, which is kind of, you know <laughs> but if if I would like see it in a more unfortunately realistic perspective, I would say that I would hope that in the future there is a bigger you know, line drawn between countries who respect human rights and democracy and freedom and the countries that don't. And that there is a very um, strong unity between the countries that do respect human rights and do have democracy and that these countries have strong economies and happy populations who together can be a force that shows like, this is what we have. We have strong economies, we have uh, we have like good standards of living and we we respect each other and we respect the different ways of wanting to live your life and the human rights that you have. And you are very welcome to join us. But that demands that you also live up to these standards because I think that's like the basic, the smallest amount of thing that we can do towards people who are unfortunate enough to be living in a dictatorship or in a country that doesn't allow different opinions or because that
0: would be uh, my follow-up then because you're saying like there would be this division between the countries that have kind of like succeeded with peace security and and social constructs somehow and those that are not living up to those standards Mm -hmm. um but i'm wondering if you could develop a little bit on the the difference between countries and people because obviously these people have not chosen to live in these countries what's your spin on that
1: I don't know, actually, <laughs> it's a difficult answer, question to answer, but as I see it, if you're, if you're fortunate enough to live in a democratical country, you also have like a big moral duty on your shoulders to, in any way you can, make it possible for other people to also have that sort of situation in that country. And I think that it's, like, I understand that countries who are, or like states who are uh, more democratical and respect human rights and stuff like that can't just, you know, invade other countries and go in other countries and try to, like, do it their way because different countries have different situations and you have to respect that. But the the least amount of thing you can do is not give one bit of your money towards forces who are working against human rights and democracy and freedom and the least amount of thing you can do is to support the people who are working against that cause. And it's kind of, you know, I'm kind of like a controversial politician in in some way because I'm kind of an absolutist, like, um, I'm I'm kind of black and white, you know? And I don't particularly enjoy the soft uh, way of handling, like, for example, diplomacy and stuff like that. I am kind of harsh on, on like, my view is that I don't think that there should be any respect even towards authorities who don't respect their people in whatever country. And that might be, kind of, or it might be, it is controversial. And I do receive, like, criticism towards, like, my opinion in that area. But I'm very, very sure of it. For personal reasons my my parents flew to Sweden from Iran and I've been there a lot and I see the suffering of the people who are living there who don't enjoy the freedom that I get to enjoy and that makes me kind of you know I'm not so soft on the issue I'm kind of strict on it and I would hope that there is a there is a strict line between countries who respect human rights freedom democracy and the countries who don't and that there is a very like warm and open uh, view on like you are so very welcome to join us and we will help you in any way we can with money with uh experience whatever but it demands that you don't like lack any of the criteria that we put up and these mm. criteria should be quite high and they should be you know, that's like regarding Belarus. You can talk about the sanctions, but you also have to be strict on the fact that it has to be connected to structural changes that are that are like proper and and you know black on white paper that that they have to be like structural and they have to be proper for democracy to be able to grow. Um, so that's my view on the on the issue.
0: Before we end today, we have a special message coming from LSU, the National Council of Swedish Youth Organizations here in Sweden. They've had a long-term sister relationship with RADA for many, many years. You can hear more about this in our first episode. And they have been united in a global partnership, including eight countries which are fighting against shrinking space. They are building leadership capacity together, and whenever anyone's in need, they are supporting one another financially and organically. Since these escalating events, an emergency developing before our eyes, and our existing funds are just not enough. And they can also not be used for this specific purpose. But now Belarus and RADA are an urgent need and they need our support. So if you would like to support what RADA, the National Council of Youth in Belarus, are doing then please only Swedish citizens at this moment swish to the LSU number only for Swedish citizens and mark your deposit with RADA, R-A-D-A. On all RADA marked deposits the money goes to them in full. The number is one two three You find more information about this on changerebels.org and also at lsu.se. Thank you so much for listening in. We will soon be back with another episode of the Change Rebels podcast. Because it is time for some change.